You know there's a lot of different ways that we can show people who we are or we share our identity with people. And you know in the coming months there gonna, there's going to be a, a particular way we do that. We're going to grab on to a particular season in this country and we're going to show things to people to tell them this is who we are. This is what we believe. You know we're going to have signs everywhere. One sign that's showing up across the country is this. That's showing up in different places in the country. And this is a way for people to, to communicate who they are and what they believe in and where they think the direction of the country should go. And so you're going to see these things, these signs pressed into yards. You're going to see these stickers pressed onto the back of car windows. You're going to see those. There's another sign you're going to see, right? Here's the other one. Here's another one you're going to see, right? Don't say anything. Just embrace all of this, okay? All right. And so you're going you're gonna to see this sign showing up. It's going to be pressed into yards and pressed up against uh, the back of a car window. You're going to see it out there. It's going to be a way of people telling other people who they are and what they believe in and what their values are. Now, can you imagine if you saw that Biden sign pressed into a yard and then, and then the person in that house said that they believe in smaller government, lower taxes, tighter border control, no abortion. Can you imagine if someone in that house who had a Biden sign in their yard started saying things like that? Well, that wouldn't make any sense. You'd say, you're not a Biden supporter, you're a Republican. Here, let me change the sign for you. And can you imagine if you saw someone with a Trump sign pressed into their yard, and then the person in the house said, yep, I believe in bigger government, bigger gun control, I believe in more open access to abortion. I say loosen those borders. You'd say, you've been watching the wrong guy. You're not a Trump supporter. You're a Democrat, right? That would be the, that would be the trajectory of those beliefs. You, it is rare that you will find a political sign pressed into someone's yard and that sign doesn't match their values and beliefs. But you know that happens all the time in churches. Where someone will say they're a Christian. They'll even show up with certain signs. That is, they may show up at church. They may give some money. They may show up and volunteer in an event. But if you looked inside their house, you might see outbursts of anger. Or inappropriate things on a TV. Or you might see a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of bad things. I don't, want, I don't need to go and describe all these bad things. But I'm saying if you got into the house, there may be a disconnect from what they present on the outside to what's really going on on the inside. That doesn't really happen in politics, but it often happens in religion, particularly Christians. And so we want to explore how do we change the game? How do we uh, form a life that has integrity? And we're going to take an eight-week journey through the book of Philippians. And in those eight weeks, we want to do just that. We want to become the kind of people that show, reflect, and know Jesus. And here's the way I want to say it. If I took the next eight weeks, combined, like just compacted that, those eight weeks into a couple sentences, this is the way we would say it. For the next eight weeks, we're going to explore what real life should look like when, uh, for anyone who calls themselves a Christian. What should their everyday life look like? Like a political sign pressed into the back of a car window or into a front yard, what kind of sign do Christians press into their hearts and minds 
so that people know they follow Jesus. That's the next eight weeks. And we're going to use the letter to the Philippians to explore that. Now, if you want to know what kind of sign do you need to press into your life so that you look like Jesus and know him, well, you know the best place to start? With Jesus. Now, it is wonderful that we just spent 47 weeks in the Gospel of Mark walking with Jesus. So we would do well to go back into the Gospel of Mark. That's right. Go back into the Gospel of Mark and just take, just take some snapshots of what was Jesus about. Take a look. I mean it. Mark 10, 45. Here's what Jesus says. He says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's what he was about. He came, his mission, passion, was to give his life away so that he could be a ransom for many, so that he could buy back the life that had been captured by Satan so they could live with freedom. That was what he was about. And so when he took that mission and put it into real life, it took the form of a Roman execution tool. Here's what Jesus says, said, Mark 8.31. Here's where he lays that down in real life. He says this. He then began to teach them, this is the disciples, that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed and after three days rise again. So that suffering for many will translate into his death and it will happen on a Roman cross. Now that sounded ridiculous to the disciples. So much so that one of his disciples, right after saying this, goes to Jesus and says, you really don't know what you're talking about. I think you've kind of lost your mind. I need to help you understand what your mission really is. And you know what he says, that to, his, that says to his disciple? He says this, verse 32 and 33. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have the mind in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. The cross was so important, was so central to what Jesus was about, that any attempt to get him to walk away from the cross was considered the way of Satan. And so he made that his central sign. That would be the sign pressed into his life. And it shouldn't be a surprise then that if that was the central sign for Jesus' life, the cross, then guess what would be the case for everyone that followed his way? Well, the cross would also be central to their life. Here's what he says right after he said all of this. He says this in verse 34. Then, then, right after he just said all that, then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves Take up their cross and follow me. So if you want to follow this Jesus, if you want to look like him, then you, have to, you also have to have the central sign that he picked up. You have to press the cross into your life also. Your life must take on a cross-formed shape if you want to look like Jesus. Now, if you don't want to look like Jesus, you can pick up a different symbol, a different sign. But if you want Jesus, you're going to have to have the cross. And so after Jesus came back to life, made death work backwards, and as his followers started taking that message to the world, 
that this guy died on behalf of the world and then came back to life. Now he's reigning, and now his spirit goes into the world as that message goes out. Well, the followers start picking up the same message, the same central sign he picked up. And there's one letter, it's that letter to the Philippians, where one of his disciples, the Apostle Paul, puts the cross at the center of the letter. Literally, right in the center of the letter, he unpacks some of the key elements that he wants to get across to these early Christians. And it's interesting, he writes it from prison. He writes the letter from a Roman prison. Roman prisons weren't, not, weren't nearly as comfortable as prisons today. And yet, as he wrote the letter, he puts the cross at the center. And he wants to train those early Christians to also put the cross at the center of their life. He wants them to have a cross-formed life. So as we begin the eight-week series, what I want to do is step in, not to the beginning of the letter. I want, to take a, I want to step into the center of the letter. And I want us to see that as we go for the next seven weeks, we have to pay attention to what frames the whole. And so it's going to be the center snapshots at the center of the letter that cra- that give context to everything else that's going to be said. So we're going to start Philippians 2, verses 5 and 8. We're just taking an excerpt here, okay? Here's what he says. In your relationships with one another, so when you interact with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Now he's going to say some things, but then he's going to come to this point. Describing Jesus, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. Even death on a cross. So in your relationships with one another, when we interact, you need to be like Jesus. Carry his mind. Have his sign pressed in in your relationships. And what is that going to look like? What's going to look like humility? And what does humility look like? It means giving your life for someone else. And what would that look like for Jesus? It looked like a cross. And so the cross should also form your life. We call this a cross-formed life. Let's pick up Philippians 3, verse 5. Uh, 7 through 11. Philippians 3, 7 through 11, Paul says this, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. I want to know Christ. Yes, Now look who he wants to know. I want to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. I want my life to look like his life. I want to know his resurrection. I mean, who doesn't want the resurrection? I also want his death. I want his death to be stamped on my life so that I also can have his life. I want a cross-formed life. And why would I want it, Paul says? Because I want to know Jesus above everything else. I don't want the accolades. I don't want the fame. I don't want all of, all of the social capital that comes from being a somebody in the world. I want Jesus, which means I'll have his cross, his death pressed into my life. And then he goes on. And he goes on to say this. Next passage, 18 through 20, first part of verse 20. We're going to read this out of the New Living Translation, which grabs the sense uh, better than the NIV. He says this, For I have told you, he's writing to those early Christians, I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. 
They're headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things. And they think only about this life here on earth. But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. So when somebody promotes only this life and only what they can get here, when their appetites become their God, they become an enemy of the cross. But these Christians should have the cross at the center, that sign pressed into their life. And what that looks like is a recognition that they are citizens of a different country. Citizens, ultimately, of the kingdom of God. And so these snapshots sit at the center of the letter, and they tell us that Paul has, above all else, the sign of the cross at the center of what he wants to teach the Christians. I want to summarize those three snapshots this way. Paul wants the cross pressed so deeply into his heart and mind that he would know Jesus above everything else. And he tells the Philippians to do the same. Live a cross-formed life in order to know and reflect Jesus. That's what this letter is going to be about. Every week we're going to see that theme play out. And it's going to have different angles, different dimensions of what it actually looks like to live a cross-formed life. There's going to be some really practical things here. There's things like peace and contentment and joy. And who doesn't want that? All of that comes under the umbrella. It comes within. It's wrapped up in a cross-formed life. You get a cross-formed life, you get everything else thrown in. So what does this have to do with life right now? Like, how would you take even this small introduction and how would you get it down into everyday life right where you are? I'm going to just bring us three questions that are going to help us get to some application right where we are. First question is this that I'm asking, is what sign, so what sign is pressed into our lives right now? When people look at us, what or who do they see? Now, that might be embarrassing. For some, of us, when, for some of us, when people look at us, they're going to see a football team above everything else or a baseball team. For some of us, when people look at us, they're going to see worry or gossip or ill temper. That's what they're going to see when they look at us. Some of us, when they, people look at, look at our lives, they're going to literally see a political sign above everything else. Because no matter how many times we step into a church, our lives say the president is the hope of the world. I'm just saying, what is pressed into our lives? When people look at you, what do they see? If you want to know what that is, maybe you could just ask somebody. What do you see when you look at my life? You know why we don't ever do that? That'd be real embarrassing. Yeah. Like, and you know, as I, well as I know, if you put that on Facebook or Instagram, you're probably not going to get a lot of comments. And if you do, they're going to be nice because who wants to be that mean to you personally on Facebook, right? So I'm just saying, if you want an honest answer, ask someone you trust or don't trust. Actually, ask someone you don't trust, then you're going to get a good, then you'll get your answer. But you get the point here. When people look at you, what sign do they see pressed inside of you or into your life? All right, so here's another thing I'm asking. This one, gets, this one starts stepping on my toes. Uh, the other one did too, but this one really does. Do we want, emphasis on want. How do you know that's emphasized? You got it. Underline, I want you to pay attention to that. Do we want people to see Jesus when they look at us? Now, this is really getting to the heart of things. If you want to play fantasy football, have you ever not done it? No, if you want to do it, you do it. Why? 
Because you make the time, you put in the effort, you study the players, and you do it. And you have access. In this world, we often do the very things we want to do. If you want to be at the beach, you will eventually find a way to get to the beach. Often, the problem we have is not ignorance or inability. It really drives to desire. In the end, we really don't want Jesus. If we wanted him, if we wanted to look like him, we'd make the effort to do it. This is typically how other things work in the world. There is an ancient Anglican. We'll call him ancient because he's like 300 years ago. That's like ancient. And he wrote a book. He wrote a book where he laid out how in the world would you and I actually begin to be formed in the way of Christ. This book helped form some of the people that really have influenced me, like C.S. Lewis and Dallas Willard. So here's William Law. Here's what he says about this. He says, if you will here stop and ask yourselves why you are not as pious, that's one way of saying holy, as the primitive Christians were, your own heart will tell you that it is neither through ignorance or inability, but purely because you never thoroughly intended it. The things we intend to do, we typically do. One big reason we don't take on a cross-form life is because we really don't want it. So I know one of my big prayers is, God, help me want to want it. Help me want to want it. I think we need to just have that point in front of us as an application to all of this. The third thing, third thing I think we have as application is get a vision for a cross-form life. Sometimes our problem isn't just that we don't want it, we don't even know exactly what we want, like what it would look like to want it. I know what the beach looks like. I've been there. So there's a reason that I want to go to the beach. I want a million dollars. Why? Because I know what it's like to have a little bit less than a million, but it feels good. Now, that's a hypothetical. This really has rarely ever existed in our lives. But I can imagine having a million dollars, and so I want it. But get a vision for what a cross-form life looks like. Let me say, let me give you the image in my head. I just want to read it to you. This is what I think. My life is like Play-Doh. It's malleable. And it takes the shape of whatever is pressed into it. If I press politics and sports into it all the time, that's the shape it will take. But if I look at the cross and press the cross into it, and then my everyday life, then my everyday life will begin to take the shape of Jesus. It will become a cross-formed life. Now, this isn't just like an image I have in words. It's something that I originally just thought about in the physical world. Let me just show you what that might look like. So, here comes Trader Joe's. So, I imagine my life and your life is like Play-Doh. Literally, Play-Doh. Why is it multicolored? Because I couldn't find that big of a Play-Doh ball. So this is a multicolored Play-Doh. I just imagine our life is like this, that it is, it's malleable. It can be shaped, right? You're not the same person you were 20 years ago. Why? Because you take the shape of your influences and where you are in life and who you talk to and what you watch. So life is malleable. And so I imagine that life can be... Uh, can be uh, can be shaped and moved in different ways. And so let me just kind of show you what that might look like. So I need to try to roll this out here. This was a lot easier at home. 
and just, just, just enjoy. This is just me. Almost like I'm like a baking show, right? All right. And so we're just going to roll this out, okay? And this is kind of like our life. This is my life. And then I imagine that my life takes the shape of different things. And what I'm suggesting, what I'm suggesting is that our lives should take the shape of a cross. This is an iron cross here. So kudos to Bruce at the fire department. Took some scrap metal and made a pretty wonderful looking cross. And so I imagine that, that the vision I'm getting, the one I think Paul's giving the early Christians, the one I want to give us as we move forward, is I want to take the cross and I want to take it and I want to take that cross and I want to press it so deeply into my life that it's not moving. Pressed. So that anyone who sees me will see the cross imprinted on everyday life. So that when I'm at home, people see, like Ryland and Ethan and Ava and Micah, they see my life shaped by Jesus. I want a cross-formed life. So I just have this image of, if it wasn't the cross, what is, what is, what is pressed into my mind and heart? What are they seeing if not the cross? They're going to see something. This is the image I want us to carry. I think the letter of Philippians is this. This is the physical form. This is what Paul's doing. He's saying, take the cross and press it into your relationships. Press it into the way you talk. Press it into the way you watch TV. You press it in the way you deal with the presidential election. You press this into everyday life. So this is the image I have. So let's take a next step. Let's take a next step. With this in mind, with this image, this thing we can carry with us, that next step is pay attention to what, to what you're pressing into the center of your life. Pay attention. So, like, this isn't some, like, amazing next step that you get to do all week, you know, um, in, in some tangible way. Really, this is you being conscious, paying attention to what's sitting at the center of your life. So that when you go to work or you wake up in the morning, when you go onto your computer or open your phone, when you interact with students, maybe as a teacher, any of these things, you're paying attention to what's the thing pressed into your life. Is it a cross-form life? So just pay attention. Pay attention to all the different things we're pressing into our lives. That's the goal. That's the next step. Pay attention. That's it. And then as we pay attention, we'll be much more aware, which means we can make changes. We can intend a different kind of life, which is really the goal. That's where we're moving. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you that Paul wrote a letter like this. And we thank you ultimately for Jesus, who showed us what a cross-form life looks like. Help us pay attention this week. Holy Spirit, would you give us insight to how we are, how we are being shaped, what we're pressing into the center of our lives, what we're putting into our mind, what we are looking at. We need your help in this, so help us as we do that together. And in all of it, may Jesus look great. And may we look to the cross as a sign of true life where love was displayed greater than anywhere else at any time in our history. And for that, we thank you. We pray that in the name of Jesus.